Copper Shores Community Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Do Good Volunteer of the Month, Jen Shad. When it comes to equipment loans of the CUNA, Jen does just about everything. Funding, paperwork, marketing, organizing, and participating. Jen has dedicated hours and hours of her life to the cause of bringing adaptive sports opportunities to the copper country. The good she has brought into people's lives is immense. If you know an incredible volunteer like Jen, go to coppershores.org slash do good and nominate them to be recognized as the next Do Good in the Copper Country Volunteer of the Month. Once again, it's Sunday morning, and once again, it's Copper Country Today. Welcome. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program is brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. You can learn more about them at coppershores.org. We're looking at the Copper Country's two largest cities this morning. Eric Wara from the city of Houghton will be in in the second segment to talk about the Walmart settlement and the progress of the parking deck project. But right now, I thought we would talk with Mary Babcock, who is the city manager of the city of Hancock, where it has been a busy summer and they have some things coming up that they're going to want some public input on. So Mary, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you for having me, Todd. The summer was a busy one and I just, uh, you know, with Eric coming in in the second segment and you in the first, as I was thinking about this, I, I don't remember a summer where the two cities had so many wonderful family activities. It was just day after day, week after week, it seemed all sorts of things going on. Did you feel it went well? We had a great summer in Hancock. There were additional events that we held downtown, and they were very family-friendly and great input and great community involvement. Where did the ideas come from? So the end of summer that we had in September started with the firemen. They really wanted to do an outdoor fall street dance, and it was a matter of we had a community night out a couple years ago, and so we just brought that more to life and made sure that we had things that all ages could enjoy. Because now we've got, uh, of course, you've had the, the concerts in the park for a few years. That's been going on, the Friday night concerts. But you added uh, last summer and this summer had them again, those movies on Quincy Green. People turning out for those? So definitely we've seen an increase in uh, participants for the movies on the green. And this year we did a different way. We did a theme night, which people really enjoyed. Some people came in costumes. We have people that have helped with um, providing popcorn the Hancock Business Association did one night where they handed out popcorn and had some events for the movie. But overall, it's great to see the volunteer um, turnout that we're getting and people want to be involved. How do they get involved? Well, they would start by contacting Todd Gast, our DDA director. He kind of coordinates most of the events and then um, organizes volunteers for them. So he can be reached through City Hall, obviously. And yep, he, uh, they can call City Hall or they can reach him at DDA at cityofhancock.net. And if you have an idea for something new, I'm sure that uh, would be received, at least would be discussed. Uh, if you want to help out with something that's existing, the pickleball courts, well used? Well used. We had two different tournaments there this summer. We had one during Bridgefest and then one at uh, the end of summer celebration. And there are large groups that go there three or four days a week. And then we also have a contingency um, from Michigan Tech that's been enjoying the courts. So overall, that is probably the best spent money the city has done in <laughs> parks in a while. Yeah, it certainly did revitalize that area because I'm not yes. sure how much it was being used for tennis. 
yes, uh, the courts, and, you know, not in great shape at that point. And uh, right, we redid the whole underbase and everything to get the courts up to the par, and we still kept our tennis court over on the east side at Terrace Park that tennis players can still use. So, uh, overall, though, the usage has probably gone up two hundred percent at uh, Lauren Grove for the pickleball courts. So. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful to hear. You have had such a busy year with the city. You took over the Houghton County Arena. Are you going to rename it? So at this point, we are going to just call it HOCO. It's not going to re represent Houghton County anymore. We're just going to leave it at HOCO. And um, other than that, we don't have any definite plans to rename it. We're just trying to get through the reorganization and um, have a successful season on the ice. What was the rationale for taking that over from the county? Well, I think it had a lot to do. It was in Hancock. There was a... a and it's right next to our other park facilities with the driving park and the Mastahito. And it just kind of fit our recreation goals. So I, it was kind of a no-brainer for the city council to take that on because of the um, availability for more use for the residents. You know, now we have added um, two more open skating sessions one on Friday night that people are, we had over 50 people on the ice last Friday night. Cool. And we'll be also offering a Learn to Skate program in end of October for, uh, and the, it is being done with the, in conjunction with the Copper Country Junior Hockey Association. Okay, so, so it's wonderful to see more going on there. And that's always been kind of a polyglot up there. Uh, you know, the county owned the arena, you own the driving park, the fair people have uh, investment up there as well. So consolidating that a little bit uh, doesn't seem like a bad idea. No, and we're hopefully going to use it more as a community space. There's the Wheaton Room that is a great public space for people to use for parties or rentals of any sort. Um, we've always kept the parking lot pay, um, plowed in the summer or in the winter. Um, but those are the types of things that, you know, we've already spent money. We do have investment in the area. So we hope that residents will use it. Do you take a little bit of a financial hit now that Finlandia is not using it anymore? So it definitely changes the dynamics of the budget with Finlandia not having their two teams using the facility. Although but, I should ask, were they actually paying the bill? Well, there is. We do have a claim in for the courts for last year's ice bill um, that amounts to about $55,000. Wow. But we will be um, attempting to fill it with more user, uh, more opportunities for the public if we have to add more open skating um, the copper country junior hockey is using it a little bit more so we are in the process of uh, using new software that'll make it a user friendly so people can see what ice we have open and get users on the ice as much as we can okay so people might be able to rent it for a, a party for themselves or something like that yes that's exactly what we're hoping for is that we can try to use it for more of a public purpose even on the ice and get people used to being at the arena not just people that play hockey been following a couple of things that have been going on with the city over the last few weeks uh, talking with hancock city manager mary babcock one of them is suddenly you have a whole bunch of applications for building permits residential construction going on in the city uh, where does this flurry come from so a lot of the projects that are, have, are coming forward are have been talked about for a few months, and we finally gotten the applications. Uh, we do have uh, a rezoning from industrial to 
re uh, residential R1 district. So that will be for single family homes and that is located up by the high school. Okay, so, so it's an area that uh, hasn't been used for industrial purposes to this point, and uh, and and uh, obviously, if it's reached the city council level, somebody at the earlier level has decided that it's not conflicting with existing uses. No, there's actually it's vacant land. Okay, and it really is. It's unusual for us to change from industrial to residential R one. So we're we're excited about the proposition to get single family homes in there, and. Um, we're hoping next summer then they'll be built. Yeah, that was what struck me about it. Was that I don't very often see um, over the years requests to rezone from industrial to residential. But here is one, and as you said, it's vacant area. It's near the high school, so it's in a good location in terms of the educational uh, facilities and such. How many homes are they anticipating, do you know? So I don't have a final number, um, and so I don't have their permit to actually their zoning application to actually build the homes. Okay. So I don't know the final number, but it is located uh, close to our indu new industrial park. Yes. Which should be finished at the end of October, and it looks it's going to be a great space, um, all brand new roads, sidewalks. It's a, it's a, going to be a beautiful development. I know I've been following that one since the initiation. That had some uh, federal funds that came along, or state funds, I think it was, yeah. that came along to help that and got a bit of a break because of the uh, because of the Father's Day flood. Right, they that's got, exactly right. We did receive funding from the EDA for the uh, business and tech park due to the flood. Is there interest yet in terms of people purchasing lots and developing? So I don't have anybody that has signed on the um, dotted line yet, per se, but we do have some interest, and so hopefully next spring you'll see some action in the the tech park. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over yes. the next uh, few years, because that's, that's a long-term project. You, you don't put together an industrial park and sell every lot within the first 12 months. Exactly. I mean, this is something the city has been working on for about 25 years, and it's now come to fruition. And so now it's a matter of selling a lot one by one. What kind of businesses do you hope to get in there? We, their goal is to get business and tech. Uh, it's a business and technology park, so that, that type of business, um, maybe like manufacturing. So there's not a very definitive use for the buildings, but we're we're pretty much open to anything. Okay, but uh, preferably something more on the light side as opposed to heavy manufacturing. Yes. That yes. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so and that's located up behind the high school. Up, uh, yep, it's behind the high school, and it'll be adjacent to one of these, uh, the property that's being rezoned to R1. Yeah, it was good to see some residential movement because we have, and we've talked about it on this program several times this year, the shortage of housing that we have here in the Copper Country. Um, have you noticed any change in that? And I don't know how closely you monitor the housing market from the city manager's office, but what effect has the loss of Finlandia had on that? That would, I would assume, open up a few apartments there around uh, the university that were occupied by students. Is that uh, easing things up maybe just a little? You know, I, I do believe it has eased it up a little, but I also think that the occupancy rate in these apartments is still extremely high. Um, that's why the, each development that we get, a new home, one by one by one, and we can build off of that is so important. You know, we have the 
three units that are going in on Franklin Street. Um, and then we also have uh, some duplexes hopefully going up by the hospital. So we need that housing. And so we need to do whatever we can to help um, facilitate it. And new housing, of course, it's not inexpensive to build. Um, new new rentals, not inexpensive to rent, but at least it takes a little bit of the pressure off and maybe opens up. It creates some upward movement. I move from mine to that. Somebody else moves from lower to mine. Then some of the lower ones open up because what we're really missing, I think, is some uh, accommodations for lower income families. Some of the rents have really gotten out of reach of people who aren't making a whole lot of money. So maybe this opens some of that up, uh, kind of a trickle-down effect. That's definitely true. The newer apartments that are being built are on the upper end of uh, price range. But I do agree with you that that does give somebody a place to move, and it does accommodate people that are coming into tech and need housing for, like, if they're looking for, they're working for a professional job. It's not necessarily student housing that we're hitting that hits the new housing. Well, and I talked with uh, somebody not that long ago, a professional level person who moved to the area 9 months ago and still hasn't been able to find a house to buy because there's just such a shortage on the market at this point. Something we really haven't seen much in the Copper Country historically, you know, <laughs> when the mines started closing down, we had a surplus of housing for generations here. And and, and it is great to see because it isn't just one um, income level that is being hurt. I mean, it, it's everybody across the board. We need all type of housing. And it's it's good to see these new developments in Hancock, Houghton, wherever they're happening yeah. to accommodate new residents. How much more opportunity is there within the city of Hancock? Uh, vacant lots, you have to have space, obviously, if you're going to build a house. So we currently have a nine-acre parcel that has not been even touched that we could... Um, we could build a new development and we do have a few homes that are in or a few properties that are in one of our developments that are still available so there's definitely lots here and there in the city and i think there's still a lot of opportunity your city council worked very very hard over the last several years on a rental code how has that worked out and has that uh, begun to have an effect on on perhaps uh, making sure that those rentals particularly the lower income rentals are in good shape and livable so our the rental ordinance has been in place for i do believe almost three years now and it has you can definitely see a change there's still a ways to go because some of, of the housing stock um, needed additional repairs but our inspector has been going out to properties and definitely um, finding the insides of them in better shape than the outsides maybe <laughs> and um, so he's dealt with a few homes that needed additional repairs but overall I think it's been a good process and I think that it does help holding people um, through the licensing process. How has it been received by landlords? So most landlords have not had an issue with it. Of course, we've had a couple issues with um, landlords, but overall, it's been a good in good thing because people like to say they're li they're licensed by the city, you know, so they're held accountable. And so we don't have a lot of problems with um, with landlords being too upset by it. And most landlords, I mean, landlords get a bad rap sometimes. Most landlords that I've worked with over the years are caring people. They like their properties. They consider their properties investments. They keep them up. 
and they get discouraged when somebody next door lets their property go down uh, as well because it devalues their property. So I would think good landlords would like it. Right, and I think that people, as we've moved through the process, are getting accustomed to it. And you're exactly right in the fact that people want to be proud of their properties they own, and they want to show a good product to potential renters, and that's starting to show. And if you're a landlord, eventually your goal is to sell that property. You can hold it for a few years until the investment uh, return starts to change on it, uh, the depreciation uh, schedules start to fall off, and then you sell it and you want it to be worth as much as possible at that point. Exactly. And I think that um, it only adds value by us having this rental um, license. We do get people that are looking at properties. Has there been any issues with the properties in the past before they purchase a new rental property in Hancock? Yeah, Mary Babcock is the Hancock City Manager. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Finlandia University, a whole big chunk of downtown Hancock with a bunch of disparate-type buildings on it, and this has become a real mess in terms of trying to determine who's going to get what, who can buy what, where's where's going to who, and that kind of thing. Um, You have, through the city expressed a potential interest in purchasing three of the larger Finlandia buildings. Which buildings are you looking at? So we are looking at Mannerheim, Nykander, and Wardelin. They are on Franklin Street in Hancock, and we are currently looking at them because they are in threat of being abandoned by the receiver. And when a building is abandoned, that will leave that property in Finlandia's university's name, and it would take a minimum of four years, upwards of maybe five years, to change that and get that out of Finlandia's name. I didn't realize that process took that long. I, I When they started talking about abandoning those buildings, and matter of fact, I asked the uh, uh, Mr. O'Keefe about that when I talked with him on the program a little while ago, and he said basically abandoning would turn them back over to lien holders, which I would assume would be the U.S. Department of Education. But uh, apparently I was not understanding that process correctly because that sounds like a long process. So there are no current valid liens on. Ah, that would explain it. Mm -hmm. So it goes to Finlandia and then it has to go through the foreclosure process. Is there nobody at some point who could uh, voluntarily abandon them to an entity? The uh, Houghton County Land Bank, for example. No, that doesn't. That does not happen in this process. What would happen is, on January first, all the Finlandia buildings will be put on our tax rolls, so they have to go through the tax foreclosure process, and that process would take about four years, due to the fact that they're not on our current taxes. And of course, during that four years, nobody looking after them because nobody functionally actually owns them. That's exactly right. It would be like. They're owned by somebody, but they're not really owned, and it would restrict any kind of access to the buildings and possibly leave them to be further blighted. Plus, people maybe could get in there into the buildings and cause damage. So that is one of the main reasons why the city of Hancock is looking at purchasing the buildings. We don't necessarily want to be hold any more real estate, <laughs> but it is also a matter of protecting the buildings. Um, there is... You know, we need access so we can get them winterized. And it also gives us the option to look at what 
the future purpose could possibly be. What what could we make of them? And it'll give us a little bit of time where we still can protect them and maybe in the future do like a request for proposals to see if we can find a developer that's willing to come in and find a new use for the project. Well, and frankly, one of the first thoughts I had when I heard about this was the city might be in a better position to request large grants to rehabilitate these buildings than a private developer might be. I mean, there are some programs available for private developers, but redeveloping these buildings into modern uses, that's going to be a massive task. Yes, it's going to be um, a costly task. And the good thing is, is if the city is able does purchase them, it will be for $10,000 each. And then so we have a low cost of entry possibly for a developer to come in. We don't want to make money. We want to help develop them. And anything that we can do for future grant opportunities, we'll really have our pulse on to try to um, facilitate and enable a, a developer to come in. We have been working with Jack Bergman's office on this process with the receivership and um it's, it's really a tough position because you can't get too much grant funding unless you have a project. Yeah. And we need the project. <laughs> to get the <laughs> Yes. It, it's the catch-22 yes. situation. you got to have one without the other. And, and that's, that's always been one of the challenges with grants. You've got to get it started to a certain level. And, of course, uh, there are some resources maybe the city can bring to bear that a private developer can't, at least in terms of launching this. Has there been any suggestion as to what these buildings might be good for? So we have not really had any um, good suggestions so far. You know, there's a lot of people that could think it could be potential housing. One of them was a dorm. So there is an opportunity that possibly in the future we could create some like work live space so that there's offices and also additional living. Okay, so that uh, at least for one building is a possibility. Um, how much is it going to cost to keep those buildings in place? Because buildings, my experience over the years in real estate has been that buildings that are not being used do tend to deteriorate no matter how nicely you, you seal them up. And particularly if you let them get cold in the winter, you start to get cracks in the walls and things of that nature. How much do you estimate it's going to cost to keep these buildings intact through a winter? So we are actually going to be winterizing them for this winter. Um, it's going to be starting today to just make sure that we can get through the next six months or eight months and then in the spring we'll open it up back up and from there evaluate and maybe have some open houses for prospective developers you know we don't have any set plans in place we don't believe at this point it's going to cost us anything um in the short run okay in the long run definitely there'll be some carrying costs but we you know it's hard to estimate what those are because the buildings are in disrepair as it is. Yeah, there's a lot of deferred maintenance on yes. those Finlandia buildings, and some of it going back a couple of decades that really should have been addressed, but they didn't have the resources to do it. Yes, and one of the buildings on Camp Wardellin Hall actually heats Nykander and Pavo Nurmi. Yes. So that is causing another issue, and we are working with the lien holder on Pavo Nurmi to see if we can, how, what's the best way to fix this? Because yeah, I've heard they, the estimate for heating Pavo Nurmi independently is three quarters of a million dollars. 
that's a ton of money, and I'm not sure the building's worth that much. Right, and so the receiver is definitely working with uh, the lien holder on Pavanurmi and Finn Hall, and those lien holders are going to be taking back the buildings. There will eventually, I suspect, be some benefit to the city from all of this. None of those buildings are on your tax rolls now. Some of the ones that are being purchased by private owners, those will come onto the tax rolls. So there's going to be some revenue, I suspect. Yes, I I think in like 10 years when we look back on this situation, I think there's going to be good evolution and we're going to be in a better position as the city. Just getting there is going to be a little tough. There is a public hearing coming up on this potential purchase. When is that? So our public hearing is on October 17th at 6 o'clock at City Hall. And it is a public hearing about the purchase of the three buildings on the Finlandia campus and then also the rezoning of the uh, two properties from industrial to residential R1. So if citizens want to have some say in this, want to share some thoughts about this, this is the opportunity. Speak now or forever. Right. And I think it's really important for the City Council to hear every Every, all the residents' opinions on this because it is a big deal for the city of Hancock what we do with the Finlandia campus and to get a pulse from residents on how they want us to move forward, what their vision is. It was taken into account during our master planning session, the Finlandia properties, but the more input that we get at this point, the better we're going to be and get what people want. Mary Babcock, thank you for coming on Copper Country today. Best wishes. Thank you very much, Todd. Have a great Sunday.